Today's reading is from today's readings from Isaiah 40 verses 1 to 14, and it will be found on page 687 of the Church Bibles. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice said, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry out? All people are like grass, and all humans' faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in the basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Thanks be to God for his word. Thank you, Stacey. I feel almost I have to just start by apologising to the ladies for the uh, men's only barbecue. Um, (laughs) But there there is an explanation for that, that ladies, you do need to understand that, of course, I'm sorry, but ladies are completely incapable of burning meat properly. (laughs) So that's why the men have got their own one there. It's good to be with you this morning. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, Whenever I come here, I often reflect on the fact that the first time I stood in this, this place... I was wearing Wellington boots and standing in the middle of a field. Uh, So it it really is always good to come here and see that quite a lot more has happened uh, since then. Um, We're going to look at uh, Isaiah 40, and I should imagine there'll be something coming up on the screen in a minute, which will be wonderful, lovely. This is a passage of prophetic utterance at a critical time in the life of the history of the people of Israel. They had gone through a pretty bad time in many ways. They had strayed away from God, they'd willingly uh, avoided God, all sorts of things had gone wrong. The result was that the the nation simply collapsed and as a result, uh, numbers of them were carted off into exile and under the Babylonian Empire for 70 years, they languished there, or at least a, a considerable portion of them, and, the, and the, the Jerusalem was in ruins, etc., etc. It was a bad time. But now the prophet speaks again from God to speak to the people about themselves and to speak also 
about himself, about how this is going to be a time of, of hope, a time of, of, a, of a future that will be uh, well fuller than it had been before. And I'm wondering whether my clicker is working, he says. <laughs> oh, it is now. That's wonderful. What is God saying they need to know about themselves? What about him? And above all, the fact they need to know him supremely as the one that's for them. So, we first of all, what does he say about themselves that they need to know? They need to know that first of all, and, and all that may seem a bit of a shock, they are sinners, but they're forgiven. So in verse 2, it's made very clear, look, double what's necessary. It's all been done. You've been forgiven. You are now in a fresh way, a new way. But don't let that lead you into thinking that everything is okay in terms of your own capacity, your own strength to do what you need to do, because that's not so. He reminds them that they are actually quite weak. All flesh is like grass. Don't, don't build up your own image of your own capacity to do things. What's going to happen, what God is going to do, is going to be very much from him. But in their forgiveness and in their weakness, they are also going to be God's agents, though, for something bigger than they had thought ever possible. They're going to be those, he says, you bring good news to Zion. So go up to a high mountain, cry out, not just for yourself, not just for your people. This is something that will be for all peoples. Good news. And you, in your brokenness, in your feelings of feebleness, in your weakness, you will actually be the agents of this. It's worth reflecting on the fact how often this, the message of the good news almost turns the world upside down in the way it normally does things. If we want something done, we look for someone really competent, don't we? We look for a professional. We look preferably for somebody roughly between 35 and 45 because they're vigorous and all the rest of it and know all the gizmos and can work everything. We want people strong. We want people who are able to do it. So often, though, what God brings before us is it isn't always the strong who manage to achieve what God wants. And it's often through brokenness that wholeness will come. It's often through weakness that strength can actually be revealed because it's then that God can manifest himself so that though the people are weak and though they are still reverberating with thoughts of where they've done things wrong, where their nation had gone wrong, nevertheless God has plans and purposes that are really going to be good. And so we move on and see, well, what does God say here when he speaks tenderly to Jerusalem about himself? And uh, we find these things. There's a reminder that God is powerful beyond description. So that those last few verses, who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or the breadth of his hand marked out the heavens? Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket? Astonishing pictures, which really should not be surprising if we think of God the creator, if you ever go out on a, on, a, on a night and look at the night sky when there are no lights about coming up from the earth and you see the thousands of stars that we can see, forgetting that there are millions beyond that that we cannot see, God has made this. He has flung the stars into space. 
He is the one who's fashioned out of out of the, the materials he's brought into being the earth, and he has fashioned out of the dust the human race. That's our God. And he is the God of power, but also the God of wisdom, the God of all knowledge, the God who you can never sell short, who you can never ever dismiss or take for granted. Because he is the one who constantly and by his action and his loving care keeps the whole of the universe in its massive astonishment, keeping it going. He reminds, the prophet reminds God's people, God is not someone to be messed around with. This is the one who is behind you and who is with you in power. But lest that power should seem to be something overwhelming and damaging, he reminds them that nevertheless this is the God who is also compassionate and close. So the picture of the shepherd that comes in here, it's a picture that's often used of rulers in the Old Testament and it 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 talks of leading uh, people on. But the context is a context of care. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who are young. The great majesty of God, the awe-inspiring picture of God finds its context in a picture of an intimate relationship with one who loves profoundly. The phrase speak tenderly to Jerusalem that we've taken as our sort of heading literally means to speak to the heart. And God is the one who creates for the heart, a place of rest. For the heart, a place of hope. That phrase, speak tenderly, uh, the scholars say is used eight times in the Old Testament and five times in the context of lovers. It's that intimate a sense of God gathering those who were weak, those who were downcast, those who were damaged to his heart to be warmed and to be encouraged and to be loved. And so he's also in that context working for his people. Though they may be weak, he is not. He's the one who rescues them. He's the one who's bringing liberation for them. He's the one who is leading them himself. Not any king, not any mighty army, not any liberation of a force, but a God who will take them through the wilderness who will open a way, open a path and bring them back to where they wanted to be. So, what does that mean for us, really? Well, it does remind us that God is not a soft touch, nor is he a raging tyrant. So often the image of God that we create in our mind is not one that arises from the scriptures. It often arises from all sorts of other things. But the important thing is to see, yes, God is that God of great power, but God is also the God of great compassion. And those two things go together. On the one hand, therefore, we do not take him for granted or or, um, take him lightly. But on the other hand, he's the one that we can completely rest our hopes in, whom we completely can take our fears to and know them alleviated, who is the one who we can completely and utterly trust. Secondly, 
God is at work, not simply with individuals, but with the nations. Remember, this is uh, the liberating people from the dominion of the, uh, of, of the Babylonian Empire. This was going to be done because the empires were going to change and Cyrus the Persian was going to take over. And he was actually called in Isaiah a Messiah. That's how God saw it, because God was at work in that. Hidden, maybe, not noticed, but nevertheless... God was moving the empires of the world for the benefit, not the destruction of his people. It's important perhaps for us to remember, and in our prayers later on no doubt we will do, that God is at work amongst the nations. That can sometimes be hard to believe, frankly, can't it? In the light of some of the things that are going on in the Middle East particularly. But the important thing is to remember, God is powerful, God is compassionate, God is just. The cowardly and the cruel will be held accountable at some point, at some time, because that is what our God is like. And so bring it back down to us, here and now. In the light of all that, what God invites us to do is connect afresh with him, to know him as the true and the good shepherd. We see that principally, obviously, in Jesus. Immediately our minds go to Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And to remember that a way was prepared for him to come through John the Baptist, who was the voice crying in the wilderness. Matthew 3 talks about that. And so it is that through Christ, the reality of which the prophet's been speaking for his own people, as it were, is a reality that comes down through the ages to us here and now personally, but corporately as well. So we come to connect with that God. Can I just ask you just to, for a moment, reflect. Think of those two notions, the power and the compassion. How does that make you feel? What thoughts does that stir in you? Is it hope? Is it not so much hope? What is it that this picture, this attempt to see God more clearly, what does that do for you? As we think about that for a few moments, we'll be coming to the communion soon, which is a time which expressly reveals and reminds us what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Not as words off a page, but acts in history which we relive in a sense as we come here today in hope and in gladness and in joy at what God has done for us. Let's just be quiet for a few moments and reflect on what we have heard from scriptures and then there'll be a short prayer for us to pray and then we'll go on to our next song. In weakness and frailty, God's love is still with us. And we are useful in his purposes. So let's pray together this short prayer. God of work and rest and pleasure, may all that we do this week be an offering of love as well as of duty. Keep us this day and every day in the spirit of kindness, truthfulness, simplicity and joy. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.